0: Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start, if you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks.
1: Ready to pop the question?
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Car Chat Podcast. And with me today, I have Trolls Folliston from Zenvo. Hello.
1: Hello there. How are you?
0: <laughs> very good. Very good. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about sort of who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm a car guy. I've always been that. Uh, started very early doing uh, all kind of combustion engines, uh took it further on um, took an education early on started my own company where it was uh, it was meant to just um, build uh, race cars um, for several or oh, different classes uh, in the racing industry it took there was a bit of a side effect to that because certainly I was also developing uh, supercharger kits and turbo kits for different um, of the tuners and then it ended up that I was doing a lot of this stuff in the Middle East as well and saved a little bit of money and one day I thought I would uh, I would give it a go uh, doing a car which uh, which I always uh, had dreamt about doing.
0: Nice right can we go back a little bit and then we'll get up to the cars today. Um, So you said you were working in different places. What, what were you doing at the beginning? You just sort of like, I love cars, I want to get involved in cars, or how was it coming about? I
1: have, I have always, uh, of course, I, I was, uh, I was uh, taking a mechanical education, and then uh, after that I went uh, to the university, and, um, but on the side of this, I always, uh, tuned, uh, my own, my friends, uh, whatever cars, uh, helped, helped different teams with, uh, race cars without any salary and so on. So I was, I was always there. And then one day I had the opportunity to open my own shop and I had clients for it and, uh, yeah, then we just started building race cars, different classes, uh, especially, especially. But that's by coincidence. Uh, I ended up doing a lot of, uh, of rallycross cars. Uh, oh, really? And, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: That's quite fun. It's it's that's one of those sports that I look at now and go, that just looks like wicked fun. <laughs> uh,
1: that that was my that was my big passion. Uh, we're doing a lot of uh, European championships and so on. So, during to the earlier regulations, it was. Uh, Kind of. There was a lot of freedom. You could more or less do whatever you want. So nice. it was uh, it was a lot uh, up to the builder instead of the driver, um, if uh, if the car could could be in the front or not.
0: Oh, nice. So you could just go whatever power you like. That sort of thing within
1: <laughs> kind of reason. kind of there. The only thing which which was the restriction these days. I do not know the regulation now, but these days it was. Uh, a 45 mil restrictor in the inlet on the turbocharger and otherwise you could do whatever you wanted
0: and what sort of what sort of power were you getting out of engines the engines at these that
1: days time? as i remember right these days we had and the it was um, uh, of course their maximum capacity was 2.0 okay. and it was these uh, four-wheel driven cars as you know them now from the x games and that these days we had Close to five hundred and fifty horsepower and eight hundred newton meters, so and four hot slicks when you're taking off, it's that's that's quite a good sport. 'Cause that
0: they're, <laughs> they're some of the fastest accelerating cars that aren't drag cars, aren't they?
1: I think so. Uh I think they are from zero to one hundred in just shy of two seconds for sure. Yeah. So so they are they are fast.
0: whenever i see a video it's just like and then it's just by my money through the gears just like yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, the, and
1: the, also also the the chassis have to be chassis chassis and the steering have to be built quite in a special way because you need to be able to handle both tarmac and gravel so it's 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 not that easy to build those cars
0: do you sort of how do you pitch that in the middle because you've got a, obviously you've got tarmac and gravel at the sort of same time how do you even go about that versus a conventional track car it's quite it's, different
1: it's quite quite different because they have to be soft otherwise you do not have any grip on the gravel and if they are soft you can't really get them round uh, on the tarmac corners so you have to play around with bump steering on the rear end and a lot of stuff so so it's not that easy but it's
0: they it, they seem Pretty interesting to drive, and a lot of more rally styling. Obviously, for flicking them in, bit of left, then right, all that sort of stuff.
1: Handbrake. It doesn't really say so in the in the regulation, but the driving style are also a bit more tough because if you drove like that in Formula One, you would be excluded uh, right away. You would be black flagged uh, within half a round. So, so I don't know, but you know the referees and so on, they are a bit more forgiven because it's uh, accepted by the drivers as well. So I think that they are a bit more tough than uh, than the rest of the race drivers.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a lot more contact going on. And oh, yeah. Oh a yeah. little bit of elbows out, like properly punting people yeah. off. Because they, with Rallycross as well, you have like quite big jumps now. Did you have quite big jumps when you were dealing with it?
1: Oh, yeah. Not, not not as uh, not as it is in uh, in the X games uh, they're doing but uh, when we did, doing european we are. i think they are using the same track let's say the the european track in sweden höljes uh, there is quite a big jump there and i think they're still using that track for uh, for today um, so yeah
0: and do the cars is it about the sort of profile of the ramp or do the cars, do you have some sort of control of their pitch once they're in the air?
1: You have to balance the car, but you never know the, the steepness of the ramp. So it, it's not always, it, okay, it looks nice when they're coming down on all four, yeah. but it's not always going that way. <laughs> do they have, um,
0: do those cars ever have like double shocks? Like you see in rally, like proper full on off road?
1: I don't know what they are running now. At the time where we're doing it, they didn't. But at least, or some, some, some had it because when we drove, it was allowed to do to use the old Group B cars as well. So their nice RS 200 Ford, it had oh, double yeah. shocks. So, so, so. Uh, but uh, we were running focuses and fiestas and so on, and we 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 didn't build that on. We just uh, built it a proper set of shocks on.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then presumably also they're designed to be to have parts replaced quite quickly
1: oh yeah you will use a lot of parts when you're entering that so you, you need to be able to change the gearbox in whatever 10 minutes if necessary
0: <laughs> that's super super impressive so you're working on these cars doing a bit of rallycross and stuff like that and then and then what were you doing you said you were developing parts of the cars was this at the same
1: time superchargers and stuff or Was this? yeah I was uh, I was developing uh, you know in my in my former or in my early days with my own company I had private clients uh, coming with the cars for uh, turbo modifications and so on and certainly there was some tuners around some of the bigger tuners in Germany and so on hmm. they asked for some development supercharging kits and so on so I did those and then one day I thought why don't I do my own and then I started doing some kits for myself selling them around the world and that's why I ended up doing a lot in the, in the Middle East
0: alright and, and what sort of cars were they going on
1: uh, I did um, especially a switcher kit for Ferrari 599 um, Mercedes C63 or not Mercedes AMG 63 um, did actually for Mr. Martin as well. Uh, so, yeah, the old uh, V8.
0: I've never come across a 599 with a supercharger.
1: Unless no, no, I wasn't selling too too many of those. There was, uh, I think it was, uh, it's many years ago now, 15 years ago. I think it's uh, maybe it went out 10 kits or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What sort of power do you get? Because what were they
0: with stock, Five. They nine were
1: nine-ish? 620, I guess, those days. And we had out... Uh, 740 something so it wasn't it wasn't that much but still it's noticeable
0: how how do you develop a supercharge kit do you just amp everything up until it blows up or you know how, what's the process
1: no the process is uh, taking the car in uh, you want to do it on uh, find find the correct uh, <clears throat> supercharger or supercharger or whatever you want to do scan scan the engine and do everything in 3D and then have it milled out because if it's it could be it could be casted as well, but small series we will have them milled out and then um, start testing it. And actually, what what's the hard part is uh, the electronic because you could do standalone systems. Um, we did that many years ago, but modern and new cars, uh, DSG shifting and so on, it's not really that easy to do a uh, standalone system on. So. Often it could be it could be piggybacked, uh, kind of uh, these okay. days uh, when we did, yeah.
0: And is that is that getting hot? I imagine that's sort of got harder as time has gone on, integrating with the standard systems.
1: Yeah, yeah now now I haven't been doing that for more yeah, than ten yeah. years, but it, but it is it is uh, getting harder and harder, and um, that's probably why most standalone systems now is probably used for race cars. There is. I know that there is companies doing plug-and-play solutions for the most popular cars uh, mm. where they know they can sell a lot of units. So, so uh, Volkswagen TFSI, I think, is a good example for that.
0: Yeah. So you're doing all these kits. And then at what point in time did you sort of start getting involved and go, maybe I should make a car?
1: I think uh, in seven, 2007, I said, now Now it is. I had five guys uh, working, doing these supercharger kits and traveling around installing them and so on and doing race cars as well at the same time So, and I came up uh, with a suggestion for one of my former clients and uh, he said, yeah but uh, shouldn't we split it and then go for it and then we just (laughs) did a rough budget which which was not even half the money we needed but uh, (laughs) we thought so Uh, for the time being and then we just started and you set off and go so yeah so okay talk me through the process of like yeah the the point is that if you know if you know what you're going into to you would you would probably never start (laughs) so if you're a if you are a bit naive and just do it then there's a chance that you're getting finished (laughs) so (laughs) that's but it's
0: so you have this vision of making a, what did you were you setting out to make a race car first, or were you setting out to to make a, no. a road car?
1: No, we're setting out to make a road car, and I did it the way because it is it is quite expensive to to start up a car company, and uh, at least in my position, I couldn't really go to my bank manager and say, "Hello, I'm trolls, I need." this many mil- uh, millions to start up a hypercar <laughs> company. Oh, right. Uh, you go. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're not, you not really healthy, are you? So, so um, I did it the way that I was uh, developing uh, the chassis. We made a running frame, if you can say so, because the very expensive part, or one of the expensive parts, is uh, doing uh, the molding for the bodywork. Okay. And I know that I... We didn't have the money for doing too many revisions, so so or revisions. So so um I made the car run, so I knew exactly where to place the wheels. Like if I wanted to move a wheel a bit around, I could do it, but yeah. I couldn't after the body was on. So actually, we we had this uh, running frame tested, run, and then the designer came in, and you know it, the wheels are placed here and here, and you can't really move them. So. This, yeah. is, this is what you have to work with. So this is actually how the uh, the car, you know, was in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that development process. Actually, is the, the white, I don't know if you, oh, behind the green one, there's a white car. It's, oh. it's exactly that car and never been touched that car. Oh, so that's the first uh, one.
0: So the people that are on audio, this is also going to be on, on YouTube when it comes out you'll be able to see behind so what's the white one is it is that a ts1 is that right it's a,
1: it's a ts1 yeah yeah actually the green one you see behind me here is also a ts1 which we are trying to keep unt- or it's it's brand new untouched uh, and that would be nice to have here the white one behind it it's not probably not that easy to see but that's the zero zero prototype uh, more or less every bracket yeah. hand built it and so on yeah
0: and it's, so that's the the development car that's been, yes, used and yes. abused and then put back now together again. And-
1: now it's now it's retired. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. a development car anymore. We have another one for that. But uh, yeah, it was it was for sure the development car for the first three to five years.
0: And, and when you were setting out and you were saying, okay, let's, I'm, I'm going to put some components in it and I'm going to aim for X power level, X price. Did you sort of pick the performance numbers you wanted or did you just start and see where you can end up?
1: No, I actually didn't pick any numbers because the car, I didn't have any goal of, uh, you know, setting speed records or anything. Mm. What what my goal was and still is, and that will never go away, it's it's the passion uh, and the feeling of the car. You should be able to, to feel the car correctly, and um when people own cars like this, it's it's not it's kind of not a transportation. It's something uh they take out five times in a year, because most of them have several of yeah. in this category. Take them out five five times a year on a good day and they should respond to the driver. And that you know for me it's about passion, just passion, nothing else. Of course the quality yeah, the quality and everything should be there, but it needs to give you something back at least.
0: If you are going out to drive a car, like what gets you excited in the car environment at the moment? Obviously, your cars very much do, but outside of that. Or just like what sort of cars are you personally interested in that you go, oh, I want a bit of that in my car and that sort of thing?
1: The way it reacts to your input, I was very, very fond of the modern Vantage V eight, yeah, not the V twelve. The V eight was a bit underpowered, but what a reaction on the steering wheel that car have, and the same feeling I have with the with the TT three. It's a fantastic car.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. You just get. I am so not, I'm, I'm not trying.
1: I am. I am not trying to sell Aston Martins or, or Porsches, <laughs> But they are. They. Uh, the, these are good cars.
0: No, but I think it is. It's good to understand sort of in you know you and and what's in your head when you go, I like these sorts of cars because your potential customers will look at you and go, what do you like? And that's probably what you're making. Whereas if you like really numb, heavy, slow vehicles, they'll go, oh, okay. He's probably made a really numb, heavy, slow vehicle.
1: Yeah. yeah but, uh, I would say that if you're really after a uh, handling car, which is still viable and that's, that, you know, I could easily build race cars, but those you can't drive on the road. But yeah. if you're if you're after a responding, good handling car for the road, it would be hard uh, to beat a GT3. To be honest, that's mm. really a good car. Yeah, yeah. In, in my in in my opinion, yeah.
0: Well, I'm a massive Porsche fan and yeah. have a GT3. So
1: <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Yeah, but then you also know if you have a GT3 and you drives. Another Porsche, you won't get that reaction from the car as you get in the in the TT three, right?
0: No, you don't. It's... So
1: so so if you have that car, you know exactly what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah. You want to, all of the feelings to come through. So that so your goal was to make a really involving, high performance car that gives you feeling back.
1: Yes, and we were not aiming for any numbers or anything. We were. We were seeing uh, on the first engines a uh, lot more, a lot more horsepower than we ended up with. We were just adjusting the car until we felt that this is what, more or less, what the car can handle, and we shouldn't go any higher. And that it's ended up to be 1100. Uh, since that, we have a bit more, but it's 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 a different kind of engine, um, higher oh. rev, supercharger, and so on, and it's uh, whatever electronic. Electronic uh, diffs uh, regulated and so on. So now, now we have a bit more horsepower, but these days it couldn't actually handle more than 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 what we put in.
0: Yeah, and uh, we should probably go through the go through the cars and how they've how they've evolved. But what what made you choose a supercharger rather than a turbocharger?
1: We actually in the first car uh, used both. Uh, we used a okay. uh, yeah. supercharger, and then we boosted that one with the turbo. I didn't want to put a uh, double turbo on it um, due to heat in the bottom of the engine compartment and so on. So uh, I wanted to, to put a big single and then, you know, you have this very famous ketchup power. Yeah. Like no, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then comes all of it. <laughs> yeah. um, so we put it in the middle, a supercharger to to make it a bit more calm to drive. But still, it ended up with that engine, uh, and that's why we changed it uh, later on. We ended up that it was... uh, The torque was too massive. Uh, Okay. We were... At one point, we were running the car with more or less 1,500 Newton meters at (laughs) 4,500 RPMs, and uh, I don't know if... Most times, it went well, and... But... (laughs) it's quite it's quite hard to drive
0: yeah rear wheel drive yeah a lot of torque gets interesting so the the yeah. first car st1 and that was and they're, they're still they're all v8s so they're flat plane crank v8s so they have they all been there? the
1: first one the first one was a cross plane now and then we we, f- we figured out uh, that this was just uh too stupid uh power delivery we had so so uh we we changed it to a smaller engine we made it a flat plane and then we switched it to two pieces of uh, centrifugal uh, superchargers instead of turbo and, and compressor
0: so, you, so it's got two superchargers
1: yeah
0: i don't think i've ever heard of that
1: <laughs> no actually because i want i kind of like uh, i like if a car like this drives as normally aspirated you know, yep. totally linear power curve. Just it's it's much more predictable. Mm. So when the with these uh, actually the Danish uh, supercharger called Roadtrax, they are selling a lot of those in other countries as well. But these are the boosts are increasing with the RPMs. So if you are running running the engine in the bench without the supercharger on. It will just lower the lower the power curve, so it it looks still like a natural aspirated, even when you put the supercharge on. It's just much higher. Okay. And yeah. the the reason for two of them is that uh, the biggest one, Rotrex two, isn't big enough. So that's why a two is sitting there. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have used one.
0: Fair enough. And I I I think that attitude of going for that power delivery is absolutely like if I was going to take i don't know let's say i was going to take my gt 3 and i wanted more power i would go supercharger if that was possible i don't know what it is rather than turbo because yeah, I, I love that, that linear normal yes. power delivery yeah yeah
1: we have and, uh we have actually we have uh we have max torque at uh, six and a half which is which is not uh that normal uh for these cars but yeah i i like that the power keeps coming so and yeah. it's much more predictable when you are, if you are a bit in a danger uh, in a corner on a track, just lift off and you, you you have it right away and you don't wait. You don't have to wait for the power coming back. It's it's just much more responsive.
0: Yeah, nothing worse than lifting and it's still, still shoving.
1: As well as the GT3 drives did the 1978 uh, 3.3 turbo drives. That was yeah. a nightmare. If you're talking about lag, it that one was, that's actually probably the worst example you can find.
0: I guess. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, okay, I've got to put my foot down before the corner so that it yeah. boosts <laughs> so, when I'm at the other end, but hopefully yeah. not in the middle.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And if you're a bit lucky, you will hit it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. At the right yeah. time, with not yeah. too much lock still on. Yeah. yeah. So okay let's can you talk me through the cars and and how they've evolved over time so we started off with the ST1 that was the first car and then yeah. how has it changed over time
1: when we sold a couple of cars one of the <clears throat> one of um, the first clients uh, really really liked the company and wanted to be an investor and that gave us a little bit more power to finish the car really correctly so yeah so we so we developed uh, we developed a new interior at the same time as uh, as we did this new flat plane engine so it was actually a massive change when it went to the ts1 um, so there was a completely new engine and completely new interior along with uh, some changes on the rear spoiler uh, when we actually, you can see the rear spoiler behind me. That's the first one from the TS1. And when we were testing the aerodynamics uh, in or at Michelin in France, they have these plates you can run over and measure the downforce at very, very high speed. Oh, okay. And We we uh, we found out that uh, when we were doing really high speed, more than three fifty, uh, the the downforce wasn't really with us. So it it went a little bit unstable in, on the braking if you come from 350 or more than that yeah. and have to brake hard so we we at the same time we took the opportunity to change the the rear spoiler on that car and also the diffuser so we we came in control of that uh, that brake issue at very high speed so, so uh, the car went like from a more analog a little bit old school yeah, car to to like modern uh, with whatever data displays inside and so on. Uh, before it was more more analog, uh, because that is, you know, kind of the capacity I had when I was uh, yeah. uh, more or less developing everything myself.
0: Has there been a bit that's sort of surprised you at how expensive or the amount of effort that it's taken to develop that you hadn't necessarily thought at the beginning? It's something yeah. like the interior or that sort of stuff, maybe.
1: Interior is interior is crazy. It's I think our uh, our B O M on the te- interior um, is is more than one thousand parts. It's crazy what you have to develop. Oh, wow! Because yeah, but it's it's like if if uh, you know or when they do not do that that much anymore. But earlier days when a Ferrari had a Fiat button inside. <laughs> accepted because yeah. they were owned by Fiat and so on. If we take if I take a button from a Porsche and put it into the car everybody would just think ah, the button is from a Porsche that's, <laughs> yeah. that's cheating and the point is that I can probably not make a button better than a Porsche yeah. uh, button but I have to make my own to like at least to establish the brand as a correct yeah. car company and It's quite, quite complicated to make all your own switches, buttons, uh, menu buttons for the displays and uh, modes and gearbox and so on. It's really, really complicated. And that has taken really a large effort.
0: It's annoyingly, it's one of those things that when you get into a car, the first thing you see is often the start button, D, S, whatever, all of these things. And you have this everyone has these back catalogues of i've driven this car this car this car and you just go well that's that like
1: yeah i i actually thought um i thought when i built the car that i could detect that a little bit um it turns out that i couldn't because i you know the first one was a pure manual and i said yeah but if you want a car like this you want it to be manual yeah. that turns out uh wrong <laughs> uh because you yeah, you can't really or I couldn't sell the car's manual. When we did the paddle shift and we are, and that's that is actually one of the big big efforts as well. Uh you wouldn't believe so, but I think that the effort um uh, doing paddle shift for us has not uh, I would say that's five times uh the effort which have been put it into the engine.
0: What's so specifically tough about designing a paddle shift or you now have your own gearbox system, don't you? It's
1: not it's not tough designing a pedal shift system. But if you want it to be fast and smooth at okay. the same time, it's quite complicated. So so you should you should imagine when you're driving a manual how many different ways you can release a clutch on that's uh you know, do you want to move fast away or do you want to just move your car one meter in your garage up yeah. up against the wall? Or there is uh, the you know, uh, the computer who controls it needs to think like a human more or less. So so it is it is really complicated.
0: How does it know different scenarios? I guess you've got speed sensors and stuff like that. So you know if it's going, if it's not moving, it's going naught miles an hour. Possibly like blend it a lot slower than if you're going a hundred miles an hour.
1: It is it is it is uh, due to. Input and uh, adaptations, and a lot of uh, clever algorithms and strategy lying behind it. Um, um, that's that is that is that is a tough thing to develop.
0: Yeah, and is your gearbox? Is it a single clutch, or is it a double clutch, or is it a sequential? And are
1: they different? They are different. It's it's kind of all of it combined. <laughs> oh, it okay. The gearbox started out with that we bought the Gmail like Koenigsegg and Pagani and all these guys are Hennessy and all these guys are using yeah. all of them, including us, was trying was trying to make the gear shift as fast as possible. But but it's a synchro gearbox and it will never get fast. It can it can be comfortable, it will never ever get a fast gearbox. So there is there is two ways you can approach this on is that you can you can try to make a synchro gearbox fast or you can pick a race gearbox like a dock box we call it and try to see if you can make that comfortable that's okay that's another way to look at it yeah you know you can make it fast because that's just power shifting cutting the ignition for 30 milliseconds and then you are in the second gear but you can't do that when you are running uh inside Monaco. Yeah. <laughs> so we found we found a different way. Um, controlling the speed uh, inside the gearbox with some sensors and uh, a brake in the end of the the inlet shaft and so on. So we actually made a way to synchronize a dock box. And it's working brilliantly. And we are running that uh, in our cars. And uh, then recently we did uh, totally in-house developed gearbox. More, more or less, the old one was that as well because Chima is making special uh, internals for, for our gearbox okay. since it has to be a dog box. But, but uh, we made a gearbox from scratch because we also wanted to build hybrid into our new cars. So that was a good opportunity of uh, doing this gearbox. Then we could uh, use this uh, electrical motor, um, which is the hybrid system, to control that brake inside the gearbox we could use it as reverse gear we could use it as starter motor and so on and so on and there was a lot of benefits uh, on the way we are controlling the gearbox by doing it hybrid so that is uh, that gearbox is developed tested uh, just not with the hybrid as, uh, yet we are testing on the hybrid system right now in one of our old cars and uh, that's coming along
0: oh cool do you save quite a bit of weight and complexity, having well, maybe not complexity, but having the hybrid part, and therefore no reverse gear and stuff like that.
1: We are saving weight in the gearbox. Not that much because the gearbox is right when it's when it's like you can you can you can call the gearbox uh, part one and part two. Part yeah. one is a seven-speed forward uh, gearbox with uh, reverse gear, a lot of internal systems to synchronize it. Um, part two where it's uh, where it's a hybrid gearbox uh, the reverse gear is taken out and uh, eighth gear is put it in instead so now we have eight forward gears and electrical uh, reverse gear and um, and a lot of other benefits like of course uh, 160 kilowatt of boost and it can of course recharge and synchronize and act as starter motor and a lot of stuff. You are adding weight, but you are also adding another 160 kilowatts yeah. of power. So you are adding weight because, the, as I remember, the electrical motor is 26 kilos. Uh, you are adding on the gearbox, but you're, and we are taking parts out, but not 26 kilos. So yeah. you will add when you are when you are when you are putting the hyper on, but uh, that's normal and that's you 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 can't make a hybrid system weighing nothing yeah so
0: yeah and you get i guess you get a bunch of benefits does it do things like smooth out the gear changes and stuff like that
1: It smooth out uh kind of everything today today when you are when you're shifting a gear you want you want to match two shafts um within a certain speed otherwise you know a, a dock box is boom, yeah. clunking and what you want to is to match the speed on them, and we are doing that with a call it a mechanical brake today like a it's like a clutch okay um, that will be activated by hydraulics, and when it 's within a certain speed, we allow it to shift okay. of course, that is much much faster uh with the electrical motors then you have the speed, so the gear shifts not in 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 high power but the gear shifts in when you are comfort driving they will be faster smoother and they will feel more seamless if you can say yeah. so the other way around it's also you will also get some benefits for it in the downshifting because you can spin the inlet shaft and actually the inlet shaft need to be faster than the outlet when you want to gear down so that's another advantage so there will be a lot of advantages with that also the drive away is a bit easier because the the electrical motor can help you. It doesn't? Yeah. You don't need to just do it on the clutch, so you can get help.
0: Oh, cool! The cars involved. We've had a new. Which one are we talking? About? Well, we're up to the right the, now with the hybrid uh, powertrain.
1: Uh, the, <laughs> the right now, the hybrid powertrain really doesn't belong to a car. We are developing a completely new car from scratch, Ooh. from a blank sheet. That is where this gearbox okay. goes. But we are running it right now. We have this, I don't know if you ever seen this uh, test mule, uh, the TSR, we call it, uh, that's more or less a race car. We wanted to test more on tracks. Yeah. And the uh, TS1 and ST1 uh, obviously doesn't have a roll cage since, it's, since it, uh, it's a road car. So we built it a race car, more to say. But it was not for entering enter any race classes or anything. It was more or less for our own safety when we're doing tests and that car really became that good even if it was built as a race car it wasn't that bumpy and so on yeah so that's where the tsrs with the wing and all that it comes from that car it was actually a mixture of the race car and the street car so the tsrs it's just legal like everything <laughs> <laughs> everything on that car is on the limit you know if you move the rear spoiler one centimeter backwards it's not legal anymore so it's it's fully homologated it it have uh, uh, euro 60 on the emission and everything but it's you shouldn't you shouldn't change anything (laughs) then then it will go illegal because i remember
0: going to i went to a track day at spa and you guys were It was, yeah. um, and, and it was the one with the movable wing. So I guess it was your TSRS, maybe? Yeah yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. And for those that have not come across this car, it, the, the wing system on the back, can you just explain the wing system on the back for people that have not come across <laughs> it or even for people that have come across it and want to understand how on earth it works?
1: We figured out that, okay, when we built it, the TSR, the yellow one, which is uh, a complete track animal, uh, it's actually our test mule. Yeah, um, but people were so interested in that car, so we thought, yeah, this is probably the direction for us. Now we will build something which is a mixture in between the two, and it has to be road legal. So you can't really, yeah, it is just road legal, as I said. Mm. So I just had this idea one day that a plane is turning quite well just on air. So I had the idea trying to simulate. Uh, Of course, you know, you have a lot of downforce in a wing sitting like this, and that would be turned into side force if it did like that. And then we simulated that, uh, or we have a company simulating it for us. uh, And uh, it turns out that the power from it is quite big. But again, it looks a bit weird because it looks like, it's going the wrong direction when it sits on the <laughs> car. On a plane it looked correct, but on a car it have to do the opposite. It has have to, to push you way. inside. It has to push you inside the corner, right? So um, it looks when you haven't seen it, it looks a bit weird, but there's it has a massive power. The power was was even bigger than what we simulated. So it's uh, it's actually not just it's let's say the wing is doing like this, it will it will push you. 30 percent of the downforce will push you inside the corner, right. but not only that. Not only that, it's sitting quite high on a pivot point, and by doing that, it also acts as a roll bar. So it will it will give a lot of force to your inner wheel, which is what you need in the corners.
0: Okay, for the people that are listening and not seeing the the visuals here, um, I'll, I'll try and explain this this sort of. So the wing, when you go around a corner, it tilts like an aeroplane. So like right hand side goes ignoring which direction we're turning, but like one side of the wing will go up and one side of the wing will go down. And, but it goes, I was trying to run it through my head. I was like, how does this work? And then it goes the opposite way to if you were a plane turning left, for example. So it tilts left up, right down, which presumably puts a large force. If you're turning left, puts a large force to the left and down. Which flattens out the car, I guess, and also just pushes you in that direction.
1: It's uh, it's like having a kind of a string inside the corner, keeping you in <laughs> a little bit. That's 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 actually not not the the main thing, but it it is it is uh, as I remember we as I remember when you are going two hundred kilometers per hour. I know it's not many corners you can do that, but it's actually pushing you one hundred fifty kilo in. Oh, that's quite a lot that's quite a lot. And it's, it's uh, pushing your inner wheel a lot down as well. I have, I have all the numbers from the, um, from the wind tunnel, but uh, it's really, really good. And then it does, it does actually more than that because we had to make this control system, all these algorithms and so on. Then when we simulated it, you know, there is, there is a sweet spot for a wing, but only for one speed. There is a, Sweet spot for each speed. So when you're accelerating, we are aiming all the ways for that point which give you the maximum downforce. When you are turning, more than uh, you have to be above 80 kilometers per hour, yeah. and you have to you have to push the car more than 0.5 g. It will turn 20 degrees and aim for the sweet spot so that it give you maximum insight. But then you also have a a maximal Drag sweet spot, which is uh, helping you when you brake. Yeah. So when you brake, it actually goes up like this. If it if you are very very high in power in in, in, in speed, and it goes when the speed is lower, oh, it, like an it helps break, you yeah. even more. So so there is there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of algorithms uh, going on behind the, behind what you see.
0: You must have had a lot of fun
1: calibrating that and just just running <laughs> we, all we the did. different. We did something fun to try to feel the power we were at porsche's test donado mm-hmm. there there they have this big uh round circuit where you during normal hours you could go 250 uh all the time yeah and we when you're just going 250 it fits that even if it's round it fits when you are releasing okay. the steering wheel it goes straight <laughs> so Release steering wheel and then on the computer just tilt the wings. You have to. You really have to catch it. So, so there was, yeah, there was a lot of fun going on.
0: That that is that must have been quite interesting. And then presumably you could once you've tilted the wing, you can go a bit faster and still stay. Oh yeah. In the same lane. Yeah,
1: yeah. You can you can you can feel a lot on the car if you if you're just driving it and and do it. You have to steer contra. Like yeah. Depending on which way you're you're uh, setting it,
0: has it ever? I mean, it looks. It looks. It's just one of those things that just looks completely mad. Like it's, it, You just watch it and go. I think most people look at it and go like, ah, that's not going to work. There's no way that's going to work. No,
1: I saw that. I saw that uh, when when we came out with it, there was a lot of uh, speculation on it. But also, I saw that. Uh, what is he called? There is this guy. it's uh, called Jason, which has yes, engineering Jason explained. Jason Fensky or something in the states. Uh, he is uh, he is quite good at, at explaining several things. And yeah. I saw I saw he took up the wing, and I saw the video, and he nailed it. It's it's spot on.
0: Nice, nice. So for those that haven't haven't come across him, it's, it's a guy called Jason Fensky. I think his YouTube is engineering explained. Go have a watch. He's very good at explaining these things. So, so then you've got so you've got the TSRS, which is this yeah. track-only car with the nope. crazy wing. No, it's a nope road car protected. as
1: well. It's uh, as I said, just approved. No, no, it is. It is. It is fully approved by TÜV, uh, okay. homologated um, Euro sixty, everything. But just <laughs> you shouldn't.
0: And does that and that has the movable wing.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay it's a very, it's, a, I, it's a cool i would thing. i would
1: i i i would have preferred it to be whatever 100 millimeter uh, further back but <laughs> then we couldn't approve the car <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah. yeah
0: you always want to refine yeah. these things do you have do you have carbon fiber wheels have i seen this yeah yeah are they quite difficult to make do you, do you get them in from somewhere else and then
1: no no we are all all our carbon fiber pieces are done in house mm. um, Everything and yes, we are we are doing our own uh, hollow-spoke uh, wheels. It that was a big undertaking as well. I thought it would be quite easy, but it wasn't. There's a lot mm. to consider. We even have to build uh, the tools for twisting the rim, uh, like they are doing when they are testing a rim oh, okay. uh, a tiff. So they are twisting it to see uh, if it can withstand uh, <clears throat> the strength for whatever 200,000 rounds. Yeah, but. But also for us, it was important that the rim is not too springy, like because it's it's mass. You can't really dampen that mass. Okay. So, uh, so we developed in a in a certain way with uh, some special spokes also on the inside drum um, or drum, so that it uh, it's quite stiff and uh, it's actually it's 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 stiffer than uh, our best. We have three different sets of uh, forged uh, aluminum wheels it's actually stiffer than that and it's close to be half the weight it's not all half the weight uh, our rear rim is 11 and a little on the aluminum and we are down to seven point something uh Ooh. on the carbon wheel that's yeah, a lot less they are they are really light do you
0: really light. do you notice that straight away when you drive the car
1: not that much on the road because you can't really push it, but on the track it's really noticeable.
0: What's the we biggest difference?
1: The biggest difference is that uh, the car feels more agile, and the steering it feels like yeah, you know when you're spinning a, a bike wheel, you can't really turn it. It's, yeah, it, it don't want to turn, um, and that's of course due to the weight. So it feels it turns in a little bit better.
0: Okay, okay. Um, and the I've, car I've... just
1: feels feels a bit more agile. Mm.
0: I've seen recently, this I just came up in a WhatsApp group I'm in, um, we were looking at carbon wheels. A lot of them seem mm. to have a coating on the inside. Um, yeah. And some people think that they're either like part aluminium and then part carbon, whereas I think a lot of them have like a silver ceramic coating. coating. Yeah, coating. Yeah, what ceramic is that for?
1: Yeah. That is ceramic coating due to, um, if you have really, really hot brakes and uh, you stop uh, then the carbon wheel doesn't want to be 500 degrees warm. I don't know about other people's, but at least ours. And I think the rest are the same that it's made from, uh, <clears throat> from epoxy resin. And you can only reach such a high TT or like a uh, temperature before the carbon is, or the resin is getting uh, distorted and, uh, you want to keep under that. So many many people. Um, I have I have seen what you have seen as well. They are ceramic coating it. It might help. We took another approach to it. We 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 made a heat shield around uh, the brake disc. Okay. So that uh, when the when you stop the car and the disc is very very hot, uh, it it leads the heat uh, away from the carbon width. Because when you're driving, when you're driving, it's 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 not a problem at all. It's when you're uh, stopping with two hot brakes, it, the resin is getting soft.
0: Yeah, in like some of the cars I was looking at, like the Ford GT five hundred, I, th- I think mm-hmm. that's quite a heavy car with yeah. reasonably big brakes and carbon fiber wheels. So there's just imagine and probably not very good ke- cooling, I imagine as well. So you just oh, yeah, you've okay. got all this all this heat in there. Although yeah, yeah. I saw a clip or oh, not, it was, it was just a picture. Someone had driven into a curb. I think it was a similar, similar car. It was definitely the same wheel, um, yeah. at like 10, 15 miles an hour. Um, and it completely shattered. Like there was a big okay. hole in it, sort of eight inches now, or I, something.
1: I can tell you, I can tell you for sure. I do not know what the rest of the people does, but I can tell you ours doesn't do that. <laughs> we have, we have, we have really tested it. And, and I have, I have driven over a four by four with, I think thirty kilometers per hour. And okay. That is so the car lifts like this from the ground. <laughs> um, nice. It didn't shatter, uh, but I also would say that it should this this rim should go to to X-ray, which is, which it isn't yet. It uh, it should be replaced. It's kind of the same. You never know. Uh, let's say. You fall off your motorcycle and hit your head when you held yeah. it you should replace it to be safe because it wasn't a big deal if you're always doing 80 with your carbon rim but if you're doing 380 then you don't want it to come apart so if you have a a, a major damage you should replace it
0: yeah i think this this was like not going anywhere it was in maybe like really maybe it's state. even
1: better if it shatters because then you have to replace it yeah
0: yeah that's the worst thing i've, I've had it before I, i've done it and it where you're at a track and someone knocks your helmet, gets knocked or something, and it gets yeah, yeah. knocked off and falls on the floor, and you're like, oh, I, I know I should probably replace that, but that's an expensive yeah. helmet, and like, ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it looks fine. It looks fine. you like, oh, <laughs> carbon. It'll probably, it should be all yeah. right. But yeah. no, it's, it's it's a tough one. Those sorts of safety calls. It
1: is. It is. It's the same. You know uh, what you say about carbon chassis, That if you had a damage, the car is might be done. Can X ray it and look if there is any internal damage. That that's what you should do. Yeah. Even even if it, yeah. Yeah, because I guess could could face could face the same with an aluminum rim as well. You don't see a. China crack which is uh about to grow so yeah it's not really that different from that
0: yeah so in terms of your cars are are they complete are they a carbon tub
1: the new car we're building are, are f- f- a fully carbon monocoque um or the new car we are developing yeah uh these are we these are with the um, sheet metal uh cell if you can say so yeah and tubular tubular front and rear frame uh in chrome in in, uh, chrome molyb so it's not heavy it's it's production heavy (laughs) that's what it is Uh, it takes a lot of time to do these frames yeah um so so the obvious choice is uh, for the next car of course to be in carbon fiber but when we developed the car we didn't have that opportunity so we're doing that for for our, our next model which is uh total blank sheet as i told you yeah yeah um but uh, but this one like then i would say everything else is in carbon fiber like yeah nothing nothing else is uh, there is it is not really that heavy the car how much how much do the cars
0: weigh at the moment i guess there's a variance they but. They,
1: they they turns out you know they are hand-built so they're all a bit different but it yeah. turns out just under 1500 kilos okay is that
0: with, like, yeah. fluids and everything? That
1: is with with fluid, but just a, a tiny amount of fuel. Yeah. But all, you know, water and oil and so on is, is in the cars.
0: On the road, that's where it's going to be. Um, yeah. And then they're roughly 1,200 horsepower. Yeah. How many do you make a year? How many are you sort of doing at the moment?
1: Uh, it doesn't look that good for this year, mm. <laughs> but uh, let's hope that things are getting uh, getting started we normally we are normally at a lot of events and so on and we haven't been able to do that this year but uh, corona has been tough to us all right yeah. and we will we will we will not have problems getting uh, getting past it so we can produce we can produce five cars a year okay um, and hopefully we will do that this year as well but i'm i'm not sure because right now uh, it doesn't look like we have uh, full full capacity yeah yeah or we are yeah, we're using our capacity full
0: what are the best events sort of for you and for selling cars like which which event do you go to or thing that you do you go oh that's been the, that's the that's the number one
1: we can't deny that Goodfoot is a very very good event yeah uh, it's a huge huge motorsport event um all my favorite cars are there from the old days yeah. <laughs> they're always worth to look at but we have there is every year a private event uh, with the Lego family. Okay, that's a really, really cool event. Uh, I I personally like to be there, mm. know the people, and uh, so. But uh, I think also this 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 year we are actually trying to enter USA. Uh, so I think we will be at the Monterey Car Week. I've yeah. never been there, and I'm looking very much forward to it.
0: Yeah, it's it's one I've not been to, and I was hoping to go last year, but you yeah. Know. That was, that was kind of more or less cancelled. Yeah,
1: we were we were actually planning to go there last year as well, uh, but it, there wasn't really anything. Otherwise, many years it's been Geneva because that's where you're kicking off the season, right? And you're yeah. meeting everybody and seeing what they have done during uh, during the past year. And uh, that's I think for us has been a good event. But last year that was shut down as well, and doesn't look like it's coming back this year. So.
0: That was always. Um, I remember talking to um, someone else about what was a good event for them, and they said they particularly liked Geneva. Uh, and Goodwood is a similar. It's getting to the similar sort of point where all the buyers can come in and they can see all of the cars, so they can go. There's Bugatti, there's Bugani, there's Koenigsegg, there's Zenvo. Like, and you can compare your car. They can compare your car with the com- competition. Yes.
1: That the was that, that was exactly what happened at Geneva. If you remember, all the hypercars was in one area, like yeah. right next to Pagani Koenigsegg, Bugatti, and so on. And people, okay, not, not a lot of buyers is there, but there is buyers, and they can go walk around and compare the cars and uh, see what they like about this one and this one and this one. So normally that's been a good event for us, but as you said, it's probably not getting there again.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you're taking your cars to what well, you're going to take them to America, do you have to change a few things to make them compliant?
1: They are compliant. Uh, we are we are using uh, a consultant company to help us with that because we did ourselves all the all the TuV uh, approval, um, mm. but USA, I haven't uh, I haven't tried that. So we are having a consultant company to help us with that. Um, but we are developing a, a, a set on this uh, new car, and that will that will have a full US car promulgation. So probably the few bits of the old car we can we can sell in US they will they will be possible to to register in most of the states. Yeah, let me put cool. it that way because I'm not 100 percent sure of all the states.
0: And I, I, yeah, something I haven't asked that: how much are the cars? How much do the, your, your current cars cost? Rough to, rough they to,
1: yeah. are <clears throat> a is normally comes out at uh, one point five million euros. Uh, then there might be some optional choices on it. Um, that is wheels with, with standard wheels and so on. So there is some carbon options uh, you can you can choose, but no, normally they're coming out uh, around one point five.
0: Yeah, and if you went for, can you go for like full carbon bodywork, like visible?
1: it is, is uh, no 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 we no we can't do that uh there is several reasons for that but we are uh, doing uh visible carbon bodywork uh why we can't do it is that our car has these very, very sharp edges and uh okay. it distorts it distorts the carbon quite a lot in these areas and uh, it doesn't we can't do the quality we want to deliver. So that is why we have these exposed areas. Uh, but in these exposed areas, we try our very best. I do not know if you have seen the latest one with this uh, hexagon pattern weaved down inside the... I don't think the I've the seen carbon that. Carbon. No, no, that's that's actually quite cool.
0: Cool. Well, I normally wrap these up with five questions that I ask everyone. Yeah, you're, Are you well, ready? you're welcome.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah,
0: sure (laughs) do you have a most memorable driving trip or journey
1: we were just for doing it uh we were having this tsr or yellow tsr and Mm. uh i it was just it was just done uh kind of never wrote the car because we have had this habit always finishing uh the cars right for geneva but I was uh, inviting a journalist, Danish journalist, which followed us since the very first days, yeah. and said to him, "Come on, let's drive this to Geneva <laughs> through the snow and everything." So we took the car from Denmark to Geneva and drove it directly into the stand without washing it and just put it there together with the streetcars. That was
0: oh nice.
1: Yeah, that was quite quite memorable. <laughs> Do the cars have traction control? The ESP is difficult. The traction control is not that difficult. We actually made a special system for it. If you have 1,000 horsepower and you want to control that when you're taking off, then uh, you have to shut. uh, your What you normally are doing when you're limiting the power is you can limit the boost, you can limit the ignition, you can close off the throttle, and so on. But but more or less, if you're having 1,000 horsepower and you're letting it loose then you can't really use traction control. You have to more or less kill the engine to to get it steady again. Yeah. So we figured out a way that that is not working for us because it's just it's simply too much power to release. We figured out what what torque can we put out on the wheels on a normal day. Let's say a normal day is Right, twenty degrees, or at least that is for us here in Denmark. So we we uh, in first gear we could put around four hundred newton meters down on the tires from the engine. Of course, we have a setting where you can go full power, but we also have a setting what we call IQ, because it it is wise to use it. Yeah, Um, (laughs) we are only putting four hundred newton meters from the engine to the tires whatever okay. that is, 3,000 newton meters on the tires or whatever it is. Um, and then second gear is a simple calculation because that's just a ratio. So we are we are, we are are moving a stair and then we know you have exactly the same torque on the wheel in next gear and so on and so on. And in whatever fifth gear you might be on full power. Yeah. Um, the point is with this curve, it's not, or stair, what you can call it. It's yeah. not accurate. It's not accurate because... You could be at slicks on a sunny day, or it could be raining. Yeah. So this is like the base curve, but now when you just have 400 newton meters, then you can start doing traction control. Yeah. Onto that, and that is that is what we are doing to not shut the car down when uh, when you're spinning too much. So so it's actually it's allowing seven percent wheel spin, and seven for, from five to seven percent of tire slip is actually where you have the best grip so it will it will allow you uh, and we even we even did what well, now we're talking about funny drives we took the car to lapland and uh oh, and mapping the uh, the esp and the traction control in the in the snow that was that was really a funny drive as well
0: that must have looked so cool out there in the snow
1: yeah, yeah. That, it was it was it is
0: i mean that's a perfectly sensible logical way of 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 developing doing a sort of you know tailoring it off uh, but i also love that you have a you know it's a button that you can have on which you probably should have on but also yeah. if you want to turn it off like it it annoys me that a lot of manufacturers now and i can clearly see why it makes sense they do limit you in torque through like one two three but yeah. you go sometimes sometimes i want all the torque <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> at naught miles well, an yeah. hour like, you know, you you shouldn't you shouldn't maybe really do it on the road, and it's it's wise to use that IQ on yeah. the road. But when you go on a track, you know, you bought the car. If you want to spin it, it's up to you. You can spin <laughs> it. It's you know, why not?
0: If you want to burn some rubber, you you should be able to burn some rubber.
1: Yeah, but it's it's, it's that's uh, one of the stupidest thing I I also heard. Like I am, it's I am not against any of our competitors, but you buy a Bugatti. You buy the right to the car, but now and then you need to buy a key to open it so we can go fast. <laughs> that's weird. I just yeah, think it's weird. Yeah, I agree. Weird.
0: That is very weird. That is yeah. very weird. Um, buy the cases
1: okay. for your own car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You've got to call them up and check. Right, yeah. next question. Five car garage, unlimited value. Off you go. Oh, that's a
1: tough <laughs> one. GT3? Which one? Doesn't really really matter as okay. long as it's. Uh, would it be
0: manual or PDK? It would be manual. Okay, cool. It
1: would be manual. That's one. Um, one item. Ah, uh, would be I would for sure be a nine eighteen as well. Oh, then it would. I. Uh, it's not because it's a good driving car. Uh, I I have to choose the Countach. Oh, I have to. I. Can't. I have to. I was. I was. Uh, yeah, I was a young boy. And uh, no, there, 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 there aren't any supercars in Denmark at all. But two guys, they went to Greenland because they could work there without paying tax. When they went off, they said, "When we come back, and this is a very small town, yeah. we will buy the hottest car in the world." And these two guys, carpenters they were, came back uh, in a Countach. Oh, so sick. it it have to be it have to be there.
0: Yeah, um, two more slots.
1: It's really, really, it's really tough for me. F forty, it must be F forty. Yeah, it's it have to be there as well. It's it's also drives like shit, but it it is <laughs> it is there. Uh, no, no, it doesn't. You know, from from the time being, it drives well. But today, you know, things are so much better. So, but it's really an icon, right?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a a pretty pretty wicked car.
1: Yeah, um, one and one more.
0: Would you have one of your cars obviously?
1: I really shouldn't take that, but if I should have one of those, it would be number 6 and that would be the TSRS. No, I would I would again and it's a it's a, it's a weird choice. I would take one, uh, one of two because they are they are having the same way of driving. I would take uh I would take the SLR, McLaren SLR.
0: Ooh.
1: Or or the Venture Eight one of those two cars they are driving they have the same behavior of driving are they very different they're very different they are they are very different but they are a bit they are not that steady on the on the front end you have to you have to sit there a little bit and be awake (laughs) but when you're doing something they are going where you are pointing yeah if you know what i mean and that's that's a good feeling uh, you will, you will, you will adapt to any car. If you get a new car, ah, it's a bit weird, but in one week you don't feel that anymore. Yeah. But but if you don't have to adapt to the car, then these two are really really going in the right direction.
0: Mm. You can only drive if you can only drive one car for the rest of your life, but you've also got like five hundred euros for something on the side, so you've got one
1: E-Class wagon. Oh yeah, I would say E sixty three wagon that would be my choice
0: good good choice that i found those in the uk they're too stiff i haven't driven the latest one but they're like mercedes generally in the uk it's just we've just got like our roads are like this the entire time
1: but no absolutely <laughs> weapon you could you could you could you could blame it on the car or you could look inwards and blame it on the roads Yeah, very possible. That's that's true. That's true. (laughs) Right car, wrong place. (laughs) No, I'm. I'm, uh, I don't think so. I think. I think just uh, if you have something which should be a little bit of fun, and you should be able to use it for everything, and you should bring all your kids and your dogs and whatever you're, you have E class is a good choice.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. What do you think is the most undervalued car at the moment? What do you think is sort of cheaper than it should be?
1: can tell you which cars are underpowered <laughs> i can easily tell you that but uh, <laughs> what's underpowered but, uh, okay let's do let's go for that i think actually this the 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 vantage V eight would have been the perfect car if it have had one to 200 horsepower more it would have been perfect it yes. was a bit underpowered 380 horsepower something like that bit underpowered but that is a very very good example because normally normally the cars is overpowered that means to me that uh, handling and brakes aren't sufficient for the car, but yeah. in the Vantage it was exact opposite. Brakes and handling superb, a little bit too less power.
0: Yeah, it's funny when you drive cars like that, and you're like, "No, this." I find that with let's say my GT3 RS, I reckon another hundred horsepower, mm-hmm. mainly a bit more torque, would be yeah. perfect because. Yeah. That, that, it just needs that. Just you're just like just that little bit more would make it a little bit more larry and crazy.
1: Yeah, it is, it is. You're right. You're right. But the point is that if you do that to a to a GT3, you will add weight. When you add weight, you'll have to add bigger brakes, which yeah. is weight as well. So it's, it it's is dangerous, isn't it? It is a tough one. <laughs> it's a tough one because you can just buy a GT2, which has 700 horsepower, or whatever they have, that have the horsepower, but it doesn't. It just it's doesn't not the same. write the same way. No, it's not no. the same.
0: Okay, final question. What is the yes. most interesting car to you at the moment?
1: If I should pick something, there is this this new uh, Kia estate wagon, full electric. I don't remember it, but as I saw it, I was just reading a brief article about it and it was surprising everyone with the range it had, oh, okay. like 600 kilometers or whatever oh, wow. it was. So so uh, So I think that, Try, try, try to imagine that they are quite a small brand. I do not know they are a bigger brand, but they are they are really doing a good electric car mm. compared to the bigger ones for half the price. And that's probably you have to appreciate a little bit.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because I see yeah. all of these cars, whether it's the Porsche Taycan or like, yeah. these sorts of <clears throat> things, and they're... Uh, I had a, a Bentley Continental. I know this is not an electric car, but um a mm-hmm. drive for, which I thought was amazing, but it's like 2.4. We drove a convertible at one point. It was like 2.3, 2.4 tons. And you just yeah. go like, oh, it's not a big car. Like what, how is, and all the electric cars are these sorts of weights. They're like
1: over two tons and you go, this is just not efficient. The point is right now that um, if they are charged by windmills, they can be as heavy as they want. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But as long as, you know, in Denmark, we have uh, more than we can use during the night from windmills. Yeah. I think our overall uh, total is like 20, uh, 25% of our energy is made from windmills. But during the day, during the day, we are burning coal imported from China. So, what do you think it takes uh, on the CO2 emissions to transport the coal from China to here and then burn it and send it out? And, you know, I am really against that. On the other hand, I'm really, really for a tiny second electric car, which is charging during the night and you go around supermarket, picking up children and so on with it during the day. I'm really, really for that.
0: That for me is the one that I find really interesting. I want a small, and I want it to be light, but small, electric car for short-ish journeys as soon as it gets to long journeys they don't make sense
1: yeah no they don't make sense because if you want to if you want to hire a, whatever a hotel stay in southern Italy during the summer for one week you should have three weeks of vacation to get there and get back to so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so no I also also think that it's really really good right now for a number two car. Uh, otherwise, you should take a hybrid.
0: Yes, yeah, I think that's that's the sort of way. And then, and hybrids, uh, in most cars at the moment, they're such a compromise because you get so much extra weight, and your the range that you're getting is is really small. But yeah, it's yeah, it seems to be the best solution at the moment.
1: For me, for me, uh, I of course know that uh, for uh, <clears throat> brands like Volkswagen and so on, they are they are in for it for the range as well because sooner or later we can't enter the big cities anymore uh, without uh, electrical motors but in our case uh, with the new hybrid system it doesn't need to be that heavy first of all because you can have much more efficient motors than you're using in the these uh, mainstream cars Um, they are like motors for formula e and so on they are very very expensive but they are very light and very powerful Mm. and we do not have to have that much battery on board because we are not in the game for a long range we are like using it as a performance parameter picking up energy releasing energy this is what we we want but i fully understand that these mainstream cars they also need to have a range because there are cities already now that you can't enter without you're your only driving electrically.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's going to be it's it's where the future's going. Will your cars yeah, yeah, have? Um, will they have batteries or will they use a capacitor? Both, both. Okay,
1: yeah, we have to we have to have some batteries, uh, but uh, due to the weight, there will be a combination of uh, batteries and capacitors. Mm.
0: Cool. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast.
1: You are more than welcome. It That's was uh, time was flying. It was uh, it was yeah. very, uh It was nice chat. Yeah, it was good. Thanks very cool. much. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion
0: without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.